back. We're back. We're truly back. This is Drew, and the distraction is coming back live for the first time in over two years at Littlefield in Brooklyn, New York. Join us at Littlefield on Wednesday, October 4th for a live show that you won't want to miss. We'll have special guests, live fun bag questions from the audience, we'll remember some guys, have some gratuitous sandwich talk, and so much more, and we'll do it all with you. We're so excited to bring the flagship podcast back to the live stage. So get your tickets now at the link in this episode's description. One more time, that's Wednesday, October 4th at 7.30 p.m. at Littlefield in Brooklyn, New York. Get your tickets now at the link in the episode description. See you there. We're back. We're back. It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm good, man. How are things? You getting all excited for the live show next week? I'm pretty excited for the live show. There's no energy on earth like a live podcast. I remember last year when we played Wembley Stadium and there was 250,000 people being like, you what? The whole time. It was incredible. I do think, uh, like, at, at my age, if I told somebody, hey, I'm going to go see a live podcast, I'd feel a bit self-conscious about it. Like, oh. But I think if you're, like, 20 or 22... And you're like, oh yeah, like most of our pod- like most of our listeners, yes. That's like normal shit. Like my kids are like my kids are given podcasts as assignments in school. Like that's normal shit to them. To me, it's like, whoa, what is all this craziness? <laughs> I guess it's also that anything that was invented like during your lifetime while you're an adult, there's still like a latent part of you. This is obviously it's less latent in you and me because we are actively because we do this. But but it's also like the idea of like a podcast is like a new thing so i'd be like oh you're gonna that sounds great you're gonna go see like one of those contests where people see how long they can dance too from like this is just some it feels gimmicky and and goofy but it's also like that's i was reminded by a friend recently that my dad uh while they were watching a football game together once referred to the new york jets this was in like 2004 as flashy new afl bullshit the new york jets have existed as a team for a really long time so i think it's just like when you are old enough to remember a time before something existed, like even 40 years after a team has, you know, come into being and built a history, you're going to be like, nah, it'll never work. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything, everything after college for me is like new. So like social media, social media has been around now, like for at least 15 years or longer. I'm like, aha. Oh, ever since social media came around last week, oh, things. Yeah, it's all old person brain shit. Where like 2003 and 2019 are exactly the same to me. I was like, yeah, I was 25 at the time. For, well, let's uh, uh, let's get some young years. blood in here. We have our yeah. our guests. It's Samer Kalaf and Giddy Nathan of Defector's Name Dropping Podcast. Hello, gentlemen. Oh, wow. Hello. What's up? What's up, Drew? How, how are, are you? you guys? You guys are not together. You're on separate Zoom rooms. Yeah, we we used That's to record great. together, but. Uh, I don't know. We had a falling out, so we <laughs> 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 separately. Creative differences. Yeah. Many yeah. podcasts have. Uh, that's one of the things that people are going to be surprised by at the live show is that uh, how far Drew and I are going to be sitting from each other on stage. <laughs> well, I'm only coming for the Rohan meet and greet anyway. Yep. I've, I've been <laughs> promised signed photos. We should do that. That plug. We should say that uh, for the live podcast next week, which is happening at Littlefield in Brooklyn on October 4th, 7.30. You can get the tickets in the episode description of this podcast. And we're going to have a guest, and it's going to be everyone's favorite distraction guest. Far, far, far bigger favorite than Giddy or Sammer. Uh, Rohan, not Carney. <laughs> also, Rohan, I believe, was the guest on the first episode of Name Dropping, or was it just That's the right, pilot yeah. that you did? Yes. So he's he like was. defector he, podcast royalty. He is the... He is the Z League of Defenders. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah, we, want to talk about uh, name dropping in a bit, but first, uh, I need to drop the biggest name of all to you two gentlemen, Taylor Swift, who showed up at a Kansas City Chiefs game on Sunday to cheer on her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey. Gentlemen, and Giddy, I think I'll let you answer this first. Which brand orchestrated this pairing for a native yeah. advertising a- effort, and was it Capital One? Uh, I don't know. I like the theory right now that it could be like Hidden Ranch dressing because the the possibly ranch, seemingly ranch, seemingly ranch, just so captivating that I don't. How how could it be anyone else? Can we take people inside the game on the phrase "seemingly ranch" because it's completely destroyed the minds of everyone that we work with? I think you kind of have to do that. Yeah. Okay, Samer, you wrote the blog on this yesterday. I don't want to get the phrasing wrong, but I believe it was like some kind of 
sicko T Swift aficionado account uh, that like found some photo of her in the suite and was like doing like computer enhance uh, it was enhance. they were doing yeah, csi doing, shit they, yeah. were do, they were doing like minority report shit yeah. to <laughs> this, uh plate i think it was like a paper plate of a single chicken tender plus a sauce that looked pretty clearly like to me like barbecue sauce that they identified as ketchup and then another which they referred to as seemingly ranch which just an indelible phrase now the exact sentence was Taylor Swift was eating a piece of chicken with ketchup and seemingly ranch exclamation <laughs> point. For some reason in my head, I it makes more sense that this was like a Swifty account in my head because I was looking at this like on my phone between uh, Jewish service observances. I was like, oh, that's Adam Schefter. And that's yeah. a really weird phrase for him to use they kind of shamsified it up so they did yeah yeah it, 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 yeah it does have that sort of kent brockman uh <laughs> affect to it and the, the dressing seemingly ranch spotted <laughs> oh. a piece of chicken is really funny too because it just looks like a chicken tender yeah. I, but she didn't want to she didn't want to be too assertive about yeah it. like she was dipping a fucking like a roasted drumstick in fucking ranch dressing. it has that it has a kind of almost lawyered quality to the language yeah, where they yeah, were like don't put thing. anything in that post that you're not prepared to testify to in court exactly if you don't know that's ranch then you can't say that it's ranch her, her publicist <laughs> tree pain is going to come after anybody who asserts that it's a chicken wing or nugget or blue cheese. Uh, when yeah. uh, when she showed up to the game, I had two thoughts. One was that, ah, shit, Kelsey actually did manage to date her. And then the <laughs> other one was like, oh, fuck, I got to hear about this for the rest of the season. But like all of that was immediately canceled out by the dynamic of Swifties like discovering sort of NFL shit and vice versa. So like the seemingly ranch thing, but like that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Like there was another a tweet that I uh, I dropped in our Slack. And this is from another Swifty uh, on Twitter uh, who <laughs> tweeted, TW colon assault with a red flag. A video from July of Travis Kelsey aggressively punching his teammate during practice. This guy clearly likes to use his fists when he gets angry, impatient, agitated. And fuck you if you think I don't have a right to be concerned about this man being with Taylor. Now that... Is fantastic content, Giddy. Yeah. I really can't. Yeah, that's that's. This is just an amazing confluence of of subcultures. Uh, like, I like think S they're going to do great things for each other. Yeah. Swifties discovering athletes getting chippy on a practice field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it would be great if more people in the like Stan community started using phrases like "pin his ears back" or "getting after it." <laughs> I want so, the idea of like feel like should Taylor really be dating somebody who likes to mix it up and is physical and has elite length? <laughs> yeah, we, what, what we need is like the prospect analysis entering the taylor swift like album reviews hell high yeah motor. high motor did you say Samer? yeah high <laughs> like, like someone goes like this an era's concert review like oh i can't wait for taylor to dial up some 1989 cuts on the era's tour like that's I, she, she, up. that's a good she one. indisputably has elite length i feel like she's she's she pretty does. tall that's pretty tall yeah. and lanky yeah, yeah isn't she like six feet tall or something like that yeah she's i mean you can see in that video when they were walking together she did not look that short next to Travis Kelsey. Yeah. The measurables are all, are all what you want. I think that this is going to be a good thing for the, the culture, not just because of the fact that we're going to get some some really, you know, interesting posting melanges across different social media platforms, but I think it was 30 Rock that introduced the concept of the sex idiot as a type of boyfriend. I believe that Ryan Lochte <laughs> was the sex idiot in that show. Yeah. And I think that... Taylor Swift mixing in Travis Kelsey as a sex idiot type boyfriend is the sort of thing that I think like it's probably good for her. And I think it'll be good for the community too to understand that not everybody that she dates is necessarily going to be someone that she marries or wants to marry. Sometimes it's just going to be like, you know, a guy who's good at sports. Yeah. You know what I would like, Sammer, is I, I, I think you're old enough to remember when Tony Romo dated Jessica Simpson and they went to like Mexico together, like before a playoff game. And then the Cowboys lost that game because they're the Cowboys. And everyone blamed Jessica Simpson. They were like, oh, she's got him off his game. She's she's this beautiful blonde tiki doll that's enchanted him and he's fucking up. And I would like 
that uh, dynamic to be reversed this time around. So, like, I'd like Taylor, like, her next album to be really shitty, and they all blame Travis Kelsey for it. Like, he's got her off her game. God damn it, this sucks. She, yeah, she like flops like three straight concerts, and everybody's like, she's gotta, she's gotta make a change here. She's yep. gotta look, she's gonna bring in some guys for workouts. Maybe, maybe call Gronk out of retirement. I was yeah. that. The idea of, <laughs> Gronk rumors are great. I also like the idea of just getting in some guys for workouts. <laughs> like, what's uh like OJ Howard? Like just comes in and like runs around for her for a little while. Nathan Peterman had a visit with Taylor Swift today per sources. <laughs> Carson Wentz's representation called. They're like he's wearing a hat right now. You know, it's not a good hat. It's like a bowler hat. It's got kind of like a yellow plaid on it. Does that work for you? And then like out of nowhere, like Russell Wilson just issues a statement. Like I am in no way involved with Taylor Swift in any form. Like nobody even rumored it, but he just drops that statement anyway. The Instagram video in an all white room where he's singing a song about his wife that is <laughs> later revealed to be AI generated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to actually talk about the football part of this equation because uh, Sammer, the Bears, the Chicago Bears, run the losing end of that Chiefs game that Taylor Swift attended, and they meet the Denver Broncos this weekend in a matchup that many are calling the game of the century. Now, the Bears have lost 17 straight games. The Broncos just gave up 70 points in one game to the Miami Dolphins. Samer, which of these organizations is in deeper shit right now? Oh, God. I feel like it's hard to choose because they're... I feel like they're in uh they're bad in different ways. Whereas the Broncos have just put all their chips in on a coach who used to be good and a quarterback who used to be good. Right. Whereas the Bears have a guy who's never coached as a head coach before and then a rookie quarterback. I feel like I like that you call Justin Fields a rookie. rookie. Oh yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, but he plays very much like it's his first time throwing a football at all. Yeah, I I think if I was to be bloodless about it, it is way easier to reset the Bears than it is the Broncos. I feel like the Broncos are going to be stuck like that for a while because nobody's going to really want to trade for Russell Wilson, and they just brought in Sean Payton right now, and they're kind of stuck with what they have. It is pretty. It is pretty dire. The The Bears, meanwhile, there was just a report by Jason Lockenfora. Uh, I think it was the Post this week. And you got to take Lockenfora with a grain of salt. But, you know, he was talking to people who said that the entire Bears leadership trust, including new GM Ryan Poles, these guys have been in charge of the Bears for just 20 games, that they are all in danger of being fired already, which is yeah. fucking nuts to me because they strategically tanked just a season ago. So everything was sort of going according to plan. And all they had to do was lose three games in just abominable fashion for people to be like, you know what? No, no, actually, actually, this process isn't worth trusting at all. We should. Yeah. What was funny to me is that I hadn't realized, like I pay some amount of attention to preseason chatter and like predictions and stuff. I hadn't realized that there were such high expectations for the Bears. It felt a little like, Somebody who was in the corner talking to themselves at a party and yeah. <laughs> they were kind of in their own world. Nobody knows like, that I think the Bears are going to win 10 games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, like the, Brian Pulse had the whole thing where he's like, we're going to take the NFC North North and never give it back. And it's like opening presser. And I was like, I thought that was like two or three years down the road. I didn't realize you were supposed to try and do it this year. Like I thought, I thought the Lions and Vikings were kind of going to deal with that for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings absolutely own that division right now as we speak. It's so impressive. (laughs) There is something funny about the idea of, because I know that there there are fans that are like that. I don't know any of them really, but people that are, you know, like the fan of some like middling SEC school that's like, we've got Bama. Like, we've got the personnel. Like Ole Miss or Texas A&M. And there are, like, I know that there's like, all the boosters for those schools are just like fucking car dealership guys that like sincerely believe that at like the very center of their being that like they've got Nick Saban figured out. But I don't, that's mania to me. That's like, weirder than any fetish the idea of just like talking yourself into your like the the bears like to look at that roster and be like i see it i see like an nfc conference championship game birth 
for this it's team. Just, it's like kind of convincing yourself of New Year's resolution. Like 2023 is going to be my year, except you're doing that like every month. And then yep. even when it turns out it's definitively not your year. Yeah, you're like still you're still, still doing it. <laughs> By September, you just got like a really, like a, a serious gout diagnosis. And you're like, there's still, I think this is going to be an amazing year for me. I think this is going to be an amazing You can definitely go six and seven and maybe make the celebration bowl. Samer and Giddy, I want to talk to both of you about Samer's Patriots because the Patriots got their first win of the season by beating the Jets. But the Patriots' offense has been putrid all season, despite the fact that they hired a genuine offensive coordinator during the offseason in Bill O'Brien, who replaced Matt Patricia. Uh, is quarterback Mac Jones worth a shit, Samer? Is he the main problem here, or is it much, much more widespread in New England? I, I truthfully don't know what to do about this offense now. I, uh... <laughs> I, I just kind of watch it with morbid curiosity, honestly. Because, because the other thing is the defense is actually so, like competent and surprisingly fun to watch. And Christian Gonzalez has been the rookie has been like really, really good. Yeah, he's legit. But uh, whenever I watch Mac, I'm just reminded of like you know how in like martial arts they have that like armless dummy that you can <laughs> just like punch kind of that's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. Mac Jones kind of reminds me of is just a guy who exists to be punched and sacked basically the C CPR like test dummy pretty yeah. much yeah. yeah but he has like an angry face <laughs> yep. yeah it's like the ads from when I was a kid about like what happens when you don't wear your seatbelt like it's yeah. like one of those, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of those soft pliable flesh-like substance that is constantly getting spiked through a steering column that's no yeah. I've I've seen this this I guess I'm going to say mannequin, but that's not really the right word. But it's like, it's this armless dude with like a fucking Ed Orgeron face and he's super jacked and you can beat the shit out of him. That's yeah, exactly that guy. That's and I went guy. to an MMA, <laughs> MMA gym and they, and all the kids called him Bob and they're like, yeah. I fucking hate Bob. And then he was like trying to choke him to death. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure like defenders simply love to tackle Mac Jones because he's a pretty solid target for them. And it's probably really satisfying to hit him. Well, As opposed to like Trevor Lawrence or yeah. some more, some life guy, I guess. One of my favorite, this was, I believe, a after he had gone to Tampa. But do you remember the stories about how much people didn't like tackling Tom Brady because it felt weird? <laughs> this was when they were, this was like peak TB12 stuff where they were talking about where, you know, he was had he these too pointy? ideas. It was that he was, he was like pliable. They were like, he's mushy. Oh, wow. Like it doesn't feel right. <laughs> like it was like tackling the, the Senator that turned to water in the first X-Men movie. They were like, it's not like a bodily yeah, substance they said, there. I remember they said they would hit him and he would melt. That was the one. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually kind of cool. Now, Samer, this Patriots question is for you. Cause we were talking about Mac Jones and how much defenders like to hit him. But Mac Jones might like to hit back because last week, uh, Jets cornerback Sauce Gardner accused Mac Jones of either grabbing his nuts, punching him in the nuts, or slapping him in the nuts, and produced a video yesterday of this incident that was obscured by the cameras. Very, very blurry. So we have to go by Mac Jones's track record because he stepped on a guy last year. Do you believe, Giddy, that Mac Jones assaulted Sauce Gardner in the testicles? Yeah, I haven't reviewed this tape yet. I saw Samer bring it up yesterday, but maybe I should watch it right now. You know what? Why don't it, you watch a, it yeah. in real time? And we can do that. Like, it's going to be like that fake TikTok <laughs> thing where it's like, this kid heard the Beatles for the first time. It was blown <laughs> <Yeah>. away. <laughs> Kids react to Mac Jones hitting the <clears throat> yeah. balls. All right, I like perfect. The Drew deciding there that they're, like the fine distinctions between like he either slapped his nuts, whapped his nuts. <laughs> Stoinked his nuts, or like yeah. the idea of, I was like, trying to think of a, a Shamsi way to say it, which would be like made an untoward motion towards his groin <laughs> area, <laughs> seemingly bag tagged. Yeah, yes. made gestures toward an illicit motion. So I think we've talked about it on the podcast enough, but the idea of like Shamsian prose. You two are are two of the foremost scholars in this space, and I don't know that we've really laid it out. For the listeners, can you just like break down what what we're talking about when we talk about Shams prose real quick? Yeah, so I think you get it's basically because they want to kind of scrub the fingerprints, I think, off of whatever, whoever they're like carrying water for at any given time. So you have these scoop guys who are just like, you know, paraphrasing 
texts from CIA agents, but have to make it sound kind of self-important too and have to somewhat anonymize it. So you end up getting like police report language, yes, which is kind of disembodied, like doesn't have any subjects or like active constructions in any of the sentences. Um, and then you get like some incredible thesaurus humping too, which I think uh, Woj and Shams are both really uh, elite at. Masters of synonym. Yeah, real, but yes. That, so the idea in this case would be like a a sack tap effectuated at that time, uh, precipitated a response <laughs> in the media that continues to uh, uh, propel itself forward. But I remember the yes. way that Giddy explained it once in his story was yeah, either a police report or being high and trying to explain something to your parents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to your friends' parents, I think. To your so friends' like, parents, yeah. My, my favorite example of this was in, uh, I think there was an athletic story written during the NBA bubble where uh, Shams is writing about Barack Obama helping like break the strike. And there's like Barack Obama, parenthetical, president between like, <laughs> 2016 <laughs> got like the little wikipedia superscript on it so yeah. you know that that's a cited yeah. fact little, little known fact about barack obama <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that level of like extraneous detail and like over performing like competence i can only associate with like being stoned and trying to talk to <laughs> someone else's parents <laughs> i was trying to think of like like an excuse like like Oh well, I didn't. I didn't wreck the car so much as I like. I turned uh, a little widely, and another car uh, <laughs> was aggressively uh, making motions into the lane toward me. Stop like me if I'm using of... too much driving jargon here, but I think I should be able to. <laughs> uh, we should uh, take a break, but before we do, I want to talk. I want to do instead of a fake plug. I am going to do a fake plug, but I do want to talk. I do a real plug to talk to you guys about name dropping, which uh, the premiere of the second season is next week. And can you guys, uh, Giddy, can you tell us what we can look forward to in the second season of name dropping? Yeah, we talked to a whole range of guests this this season. So we have one whose name is like a complete sentence that I don't want to spoil because uh, <laughs> it's very fun. We have. Is it a, a long sentence? Is it like a Fiona Al? Or sorry, Apple it's, album it, it, name or I misstated that. It's not a complete sentence, but it's a complete concept in the zeitgeist. Uh, that oh. anyone who's watched cartoons or you know been in in uh, alleys should should know about. Is so. it seemingly Ranch Jenkins? Is that the name? <laughs> yeah, we got, we got seemingly Ranch. You got us. That's yeah, that was our season get. finale right there. Yep. <laughs> um, we've got some pretty interesting academics, and I don't want your eyes to glaze over because we have a study that shows that when given like a trolley problem about like whether or not you want to save a given victim tied to train tracks, the respondents were actually less likely to do so if it was a Asian victim with a traditional Asian name versus an Asian victim with a Western name. So we have some like kind of disconcerting evidence for how your name could affect your quality of life and your interactions with other people, which is kind of the main theme we danced around the entire show but kind of backing it up with some uh hard cold evidence was for was the record brace. diddy i would save you from a train track so long as you weren't like wearing like a packer's jersey or something i mean i can change my name to david if that would that would help i don't think yeah. that's not no help. actually i don't know we've already <laughs> been over our dynamic here it's the worst <laughs> name you could pick <laughs> uh, um, We'll talk a little bit more about name dropping right after the break. But first, this episode was sponsored by Bob Menendez's Gold. Gold! <laughs> Get your bars from the Senator anytime you can. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Drew, and this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or at other inopportune moments? Turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk through them. And therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycle and find some mental and emotional peace. Therapy isn't just a place to talk through what's keeping you up at night. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself to improve your own life and how you show up for the people around you. 
So if you're looking for an affordable and convenient way to try therapy, consider BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. And visit BetterHelp.com slash distraction today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash distraction. This episode of The Distraction is also brought to you by Wild Green. Wild Green is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisan pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You've probably heard me read this ad before, so you know all of that stuff. What has happened since I last read this ad is that I got a Wild Grain box, and it's good as hell. I would be saying this anyway, of course, because it's an ad. However, because <laughs> I have now had the wild grain experience, I can testify that the boule and the demi baguette and the pasta and the turnovers and the croissants that were in that box were all extremely good. I am partial to the boule because it was cool to have just a solid loaf of sourdough bread in my home that was not there before. It really is as easy to do as baking it for 25 minutes. You let it cool down. It goes from looking like a frozen dough knob to looking like just a beautiful bread that you would get from a bakery, and it tastes exactly as good as it looks. I can't recommend it highly enough. And if you would like to have this experience yourself, you can fully customize it so you're getting the things that you like. Customize your wild grain box, any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. If you want a box of all bread or all pasta or all pastries, you can do that. I would recommend any of those. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com distraction to start your subscription. You heard me. That's free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com distraction. That's wildgrain.com slash distraction, or you can use promo code distraction at checkout. And we're back with Giddy and Sammer. Giddy, we were talking about name dropping, and you actually had a question for Roth and I about it. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I think... You guys mentioned this glancingly in your writing and on the pod, but I feel like there's some interesting territory. Let's start with Roth, but let's talk about name ambiguity. I feel like there are enough David Roths out there that you are confused either by, I don't know, fans or mistaken Van Halen listeners <laughs> or magic enthusiasts uh, that you've gone so far. I, th I feel like your bio for a while was not the magician or yeah. the guy from Van Halen. By the way, yeah. I did not know there was a David Roth magician until I saw his Twitter I didn't bio, know until and I, I saw still don't know who that is. So yeah. he's the yeah. most accomplished David Roth. R.I.P., obviously, to David Roth, the coin magician. Uh, he passed on a couple of years ago. Do you think he's more accomplished than David Lee Roth? I think in his field... Yes. I think that like he's okay. one of those guys. It's like one of those things where you'd have to and I have not done the uh, the requisite legwork of sitting down with other coin magicians and being like, tell me about David. But <laughs> I know that he's like <laughs> revered as he like invented a bunch of tricks. He's also um, this is like I haven't done this in a long time. I need to to figure this out. Like of the sort of all the weird like late night. Uh, high person behaviors that I've developed. One of them was just watching magic for a while on YouTube. I would just watch like Ricky J videos where he's telling a weird story while doing like, a, that, yeah, that sounds and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It, honestly like, it's a pretty strong recommendation for me, but David Roth himself, the magician does not have that sort of like magisterial presence. <laughs> he's just this little elfin guy with the sleeves of his jacket rolled up, which is to show that he's not doing anything, you know, up his sleeve or whatever. But it's a weird look. It's like a guy that looks like any of my friend's dads from when I was a kid doing like a really complicated coin thing, but talking in a way that makes him sound kind of like like a supporting character on The Simpsons. Like, he's like, okay, let's see what happens now. I don't know. Oh, there it goes. There's the silver dollar piece. And it's ah. kind of like a very... Uh, so no one... David Lee Roth, I think people know 
with the exception of uh, Ross, the tennis guy at my summer camp, I did tell him when I was a kid that David Lee Roth was my dad and was coming for visiting day, and <laughs> nice. he believed me. But <laughs> that that was your version of the Nintendo Uncle story. It really was. Like he's like he's like you, you know, like you like related to the David Lee Roth, and I was like, yeah, that's that's my father. You'll you'll meet him. He's gonna come. <laughs> he's gonna be covered in scarves. He's gonna jump up and touch his own ankles at visiting day, and then like I don't know if he was disappointed when my dad, who looks like. Uh, like a taller Dustin Hoffman showed up, but he didn't really <laughs> let on. I think he was like, "Ah, oh, you got me." All right. Shout out <sighs> to Ross, uh, zinc oxide on the nose uh, look oh, yeah. influencer. It was a real popular one at the time. Are we but, bringing that back? Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's gonna come back. I don't see any okay. reason why not. Uh, the, but yeah, like name wise, there are enough David Roths that for a while. I, I think back in the early days of Twitter, I just followed as many of them as I could. There's one guy that just tweets about weather, and every now and then I'll see him posting in there. Did but you I'm, ever throw them on a group DM together? I didn't. I didn't do that. I should have probably, like, that sounds like more of a, like, Facebook era thing, where you're, like, still in that sort of the thrall of, like, social media, and you're like, wow, I could meet everybody with my name. You know, That's and, solidly, like, Obama first-term type mm -hmm. behavior. Because it hasn't, like, occurred to you yet, like, what those people might be like. You're just sort of <laughs> like, well, they're all David Ross. How bad could they be? Like, right, right. Worst, they must be friends. Worst-case scenario, they're going to blow my mind with some coin magic. Like, or, <laughs> or like, get kicked out of Van Halen because their work ethic sucked or whatever, you know? Like, and in yeah. this case, like, once you got onto, like, the other, like, the sort of the harder stuff of social media, <laughs> it's like, you got to be really wary, like... Have you, so this is, I know, like, something that you all have, have talked about on the pod, but, like, there aren't enough, like, Sammers or Giddies out there that, like, or, I mean, there are, but it's the sort of thing where there's fewer of them in the culture that this yes. is, like, just not an experience that you all have, have really had. Well, I, I think we kind of, if in a future episode, want to simulate that by interviewing or getting interviewed by a Sammer and a Giddy, but we're still vetting the options there. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I told you this, Giddy, but we had you on the podcast, like, I don't know, uh, a few dreams ago. And yeah, someone who was South Asian in the comments was like, I can't believe you spent that entire podcast saying Giddy's name wrong and i was like he told me to say i asked him i swear i swear to god that's interesting i i should go back and read the comment and i wonder if that is because of like a uh you know a deep schism in the giddy community whether you want people to kind of mispronounce it one way or another so you could go into like the soft r territory where it's just geary i i just have always hated the sound of that so i prefer just treat it like a d you know, like the adjective giddy, I think that's a little truer to the, the actual pronunciation. Actually, it was a Greek guy, and he was like, it's pronounced yilly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, giddy, you interviewed two stenographers at the U.S. Open, and they told you that the hardest players to transcribe for them were the Australians. Why did those women hate my birthplace? Can there be some sort of law to present such oh. discrimination in the future? I I think they're just on the cutting edge of like nickname and slang technology in a way yeah. that like most other countries are still several centuries behind. Ooh, I, this took a this took a turn for the yeah. positive that I like. <laughs> yeah, and I I because I, I, they will just be like developing new like they'll lop off for the syllables of a guy's name and add like an e at the end of it. So you might be like. I don't, you don't have enough syllables to work with, but... Uh, nope, pick a tennis name, because those are the ones that are harder. The idea <laughs> of just being like, <laughs> taking Daniil Medvedev's name and being like, I'm going to make that real fucked up. I'm going to put an R in it. Yeah, and like s s pull out like the middle syllable, like Dev, suddenly he's Devi, but we have never heard this reference before, and like we're supposed to like keep up. I, I, I think it's like them in Cockney rhyming slang that assumes the most like high-speed processing on the listener's part. <laughs> yes. Never the right assumption to make. Yeah, <laughs> just that everyone's on the same page with some slang that you invented, like, when your sentence was starting a few seconds ago is really exactly. bold. You got to respect that. I like it. I like that my my birth countrymen are on the cutting edge of saying cool, hip things. Is that what, way, is that way what he was saying, the Drew? American <laughs> is that, I don't know. I think you're projecting a little bit. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Right. I'm right. <laughs> We're so much cooler than all the kids on Twitter who were like, everything slaps, this whips, this rock, this knocks, whatever. Bullshit. Yeah. Where Even the Aussie shit, You could shit, be baby. like, I'm still lifting massive heaps of hey, kilos hey. of <laughs> chicken breast. I never stopped. Now, uh, Giddy, I, I need to go back. 
Uh, we never did get your reaction to the Mac Jones Sauce Gardener video. Can oh, yeah. You give us now that a you've reviewed the footage. Yeah, no, no. I didn't realize how Zapruder it was going to be, but. Um, oh, yeah. We've got. Okay, we've got some. Some angriness. We've got. I, I, I see not really a downward motion of the arm. I've got to be honest. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm seeing. Well, we're looking for a punch, not like a yank. I'm not seeing a trajectory, really. When I watched it, it seemed more like a, a back back wrist flick, kind of. Back and to the left. Yeah, like to limit the kind of motion towards the dick and balls area. Did you detect any fondling? Was there any fondling? No, I see more mm. back of the hand. It's kind of a letdown. Yeah. So, Sam, you, do you think it was him being like, get out of here, and then like he accidentally... <laughs> I think he kind of... He, he seems like a guy who'd be practiced and like... Yeah. Sack taps, just being from... Uh, an SEC school. He's gonna say, like, <laughs> and like he's gonna nickname Mac. He's gonna go pro and like snapping people with a wet towel on the yeah. butt as soon as he's done in the NFL. <laughs> but that's why I think it's a there's a there's a perfect balance there where this guy can be a little shit, but also he is so ripe to be tackled that I feel like enough defenders uh, get get to reciprocate. I guess. That would be a good sort of investigation. Just ask anonymous NFL players who their favorite guy to tackle is. Because, like, they yeah. got to yeah. be like, oh, oh, my God. I can't wait to fucking tackle Brock Purdy, little fucker. Just bury him in the ground. Yeah, I'm sure I, there I, are guys that... We should ahead. get Kalen on this because I, I really want, like, the equivalent of, like, wine aficionado. Like, I want to talk about, like, the body feel. Yeah, the notes. Uh, yeah, I want to get the tasting notes on all the NFL QBs. Yeah, because, Roth, you were talking about defenders talking about having to tackle Tom Brady and... You can always tell, you could always detect that it was a little bit unsatisfying. Like when yeah. they hit Tom Brady, they really wanted to make a count and they couldn't. And that's annoying. I do like the idea of them having their their wine words for it, though, that it's like when you hit Jay Cutler, it's just, it's leather. And then it gives way to more <laughs> of a burnt lime. Yeah, it's a little really smoky. Like a, with Jay Cutler, it would definitely be smoky notes. Yeah. It would definitely be <laughs> smoky peaty, notes. A little peaty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Roth, uh, before we get to the stupid stuff, I want to talk to you about the <laughs> really stupid stuff, yet. which is your your home state senator Bob Menendez, who uh, yeah. so good. Giddy's as well. He's uh, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Giddy, I don't want to exclude you from the Jersey corruption talk, but both of us were at different times in our lives represented by uh, Gold Brick Bob. Can uh, that's can right. you give me the the background on this story and what is going on with it right now? You want to do some of the Giddy, or do, I mean, I guess it's kind of the part I didn't remember was the 2015 corruption thing it was yeah. 2015 right yeah it was as early as 2012 it was clear that like he was doing a lot of stuff that he shouldn't have been doing 2015 oh, yeah, yeah. I believe... don't get me wrong i wasn't surprised that bob oh, yeah. was corrupted this week but in 2015 there was like enough there that like he should have stepped down probably it was like not quite as egregious as this but right and who was he talking to at that point was it like it was definitely some also some uh like intelligence style folks from uh, sensitive regions. Yeah, say. he's definitely, he's known what the most valuable stuff is to sell. And he's been definitely selling it for some time. And it was, it, what was weird is that the other stories that were about him, initially the early scandals, it was like daily caller stuff where they were like, he had sex with a girl in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. And everybody was kind of like, well, I don't, that sounds like kind of, cool actually like i don't like, <laughs> was not really that mad at him about that but then all of the other stuff has been it's this level of like squalid it should this is like city government style uh corruption in the sense that he's constantly texting with some guy being like crimes question mark question mark <laughs> it, it feels pretty low rent yeah and yet yeah. it's with foreign countries and national security secrets and like much more money like there was a story that i was trying to write about a couple weeks ago, where a guy who was the very briefly the head of the New York City Department of Buildings, uh, he had been a city council member from Queens for years before that, extremely corrupt guy, has been, you know, indicted on some very egregious charges of stuff. But he was getting bribed with like a Mets game. Like he was like getting, or they gave him a, uh, it was like a beach apartment out in like Rockaway or something like that. It's all nice, but it was. The sort of like lower rent stuff. It was like a guy that runs a pizzeria that got closed by the Department of Health was like 
I'm going to give you some season tickets, but like That's not like to you... the team that people want to go to, the other one. <laughs> That's like you sold your first novel kind of well, basically. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you're not, you're, the chain is hollow. Like there's nothing yeah. there that it's like, actually you can put your, your foot on. Whereas like Bob Menendez, what's amazing about it, beyond we get to the excuses are, are really to me where the, the action is. But all of this is like, it's a lot of money. Like he had like a half a million dollars in cash in his home, as well as like gold ingots. I don't know. What's the, the thing? They're little well, let me, bri- uh, let me tell you, because I, I, do, I do have the background. Uh, just last week, Menendez was indicted by federal prosecutors in New York uh, on charges of conspiracy to commit bribery, conspiracy to commit honest services fraud, and extortion. This comes from a raid a year ago in which federal investigators uh, raided Menendez's house. They found $486,000 in cash, much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing, closets, and a safe, and gold bars worth, uh, worth up to $150,000. That is uh, That is the... That's what he's facing right now. And is he resigning, uh, Giddy? Uh, I don't he think, is I don't not. Think, yes. Yeah, is I don't his, think so. Yeah. <laughs> not only yeah, is it he, a no, he's been, he follows the excuses from yesterday where he was like, it's like, uh, so first of all, as a, as a neurodivergent minor, it's very, <laughs> <laughs> it's illegal for you to point out that any of this is there. He had a, some real, uh, like he was like invoking his grandparents and generational yeah, trauma him, from Cuba. Yes, that's the part I, I I most remember, which is just like another beautiful example of like weaponizing, you know, actual meaningful experiences in the most cynical way yeah. possible. <laughs> which is you don't want to say that that's like the New Jersey touch because it's really no, like it, that's just yeah. <laughs> how the culture works now. But it is a very like of all the the corrupt politicians from New Jersey in in my lifetime. The ones that I have loathed the most but also kind of admired are these are it's Menendez types, guys with like really mm-hmm. nice suits that clearly have not spoken to anyone that wasn't a lobbyist for like 20 years. And yeah. every one of their public statements is like all the fights we had. It meant, meant so much. Thank you, New Jersey, for trusting Bob Torricelli. Uh, by the way, uh, I am definitely going to prison for all the things that I did <laughs> while you trusted me. And like with Menendez, it's the same sort of like, so some of it is like, there's so much work to be done. Like there's so much more that I can do and bring to New Jersey. And he's like, I don't like, I definitely forgot you were a senator. So that is not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of phases out of my memory in between corruption scandals, I guess. So Yeah. Yeah, it's the only time he does anything. Right. When he's, when he's yeah, getting gold. Um, the, the kind of tricky part about it is that, uh, you know, my wife works on immigration reform. Uh, and he apparently is like really good on certain policy issues. So like the idea of losing him in you know, in Congress, like there are some drawbacks to it, but you know, this guy, we just got to get this guy out of the paint at this yeah, point. It's, this it's, is the, it's getting embarrassing even by New Jersey standards. Yeah. That is the part that I think is like, you really can't underline enough. Like we have a pretty high tolerance for this sort of thing. Like the idea, it's like, if you've been eating nothing but like disgusting fried hot dogs from Rutt's Hut your entire life, like, to get a hot dog where you're like, this has been fried for too long. Like, you've already destroyed your palate. <laughs> your discernment is totally gone. If you can still notice when a guy is too corrupt to represent the state of New Jersey in the United States Senate, like, there's something heartening about that, but also it means that that is one fucked up hot dog that you've just been served. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to leave the tremendous Menendez concept, uh, content before mentioning oh, yeah. the text exchange between <laughs> Nadine Menendez and someone referred to as Egyptian official too. Um, so we, we've got, I, this is not a paraphrase. We have Nadine saying, I am going to sign off the sale to Egypt today. Egypt, 46,120 millimeter target practice rounds and 10,000 rounds tank ammunition, 99 million. <laughs> no, <laughs> these tank rounds are for tanks. <laughs> oh, good to know. <laughs> they have had for many years. They're using this in the Sinai for the counterterrorism campaign. And then just the most beautiful response from the Egyptian official number two, thumbs up emoji. <laughs> Hit, her with Hit them with the thumbs up. up. Yeah. Damn, really? that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone says selling you a bunch of tank rounds. Real uh real Farbian uh, espionage tactics right there. Very Yeah. It really it is, is beautifully subtle. 
doing it over text is amazing. Doing it with emojis is also great because it's like these are all they're all really bad people. So the idea of just using the 100 emoji to show like how large <laughs> the caliber of bullets that you're selling is really it's nice to see innovation in this space. Let's uh, let's get to our guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of yours, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. And I have two guys since we have two guests. So, Sammer, uh, I'm going to give you a guy. You ready for your guy of the week, Sammer? I am. All right. In honor of you and your Patriots fandom, it's John Stevens. Do you remember that guy, Sammer? Oh, oh. I think remember John Stevens. You would have been very, very young during He John might Stevens be too young. Day. Yeah. <laughs> He was, the, was he in Tech Mobile? <laughs> yeah, he was. You know what? He was. Zero doubt. Papa. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He was like he was like like the highlight of like the Grogan era Patriots because he was like a really yeah. nice running back who would get like he would get yardage and that was about all you could say for the pre Brady Patriots. Like yeah, yeah. I could, I remember like uh, I mean because I still play Tech Mobile sometimes like in the browser. I remember the Patriots were dog shit in that, but John Stevens was surprisingly good. Yep. Which that is actually, right. that's what it was like in real life. Are you going to attempt the the tennis pivot where John Stevens is concerned? Yeah, yeah. You? I'm going to give Giddy a guy, and he's going to tell me, that's not a guy, that's a dude. Your guy, <laughs> Giddy, is former U.S. Open champion Patrick Rafter. You remember that guy? Yeah, you, you can't be a guy if you want a major title, I think. Yeah. Um, well, what am I going to do? What, who, who else am I going to give? Yeah. I thought that John Stevens' pivot with tennis that I was talking to is that that's Sloane Stevens' dad. Oh, is this? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Confirm that. Damn. I don't think I ever put that together. Wow. Yeah, right. That's yep. incredible. Um, yeah. And kudos to me. For, uh, for yeah. knowing that before I uh, before I even <laughs> did that. Yeah, that's honestly, yeah, I think we should take a moment to appreciate Drew uh, locking that one down before we brought it up. <laughs> it's that, you know what? It's an Australian being on the cutting edge yet again. Time to open up the yet fun again. bag. These are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners. I'm going to give you one uh, one print email, uh, but then our producer Amanda is going to queue up one of the voice uh, voicemails for us. So, uh, Samer, I'll let you answer this one. And then I'll let Giddy answer it. This is from Logan. Logan writes in, A good friend of mine, Wilson, was a vegetarian for about 20 years before adding meat back into his diet in the mid-30s. As part of that reintegration, he decided to try lobster for the first time, specifically a Panera Bread lobster roll. Mm. Unsurprisingly, this was not a good lobster experience for them, and they swore off eating it again. What is the absolute worst or least representative combination of fast, casual eatery and uncommon food? Is there a worse way to swear off a food forever? Oh, God. I mean, I feel like the riskiest one that comes to my head would be like some kind of fast, casual oyster setup. Because yep. I feel like that has the highest uh, risk of just leaving you with a devastating, indelible Pro like, experience. Uh, yeah, like brain-destroying prion. Yeah. <laughs> If you're going to eat a five cent oysters, you better die and you probably <laughs> will die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it does have that kind of like sushi from the gas station experience where you're just sort of like, well, what did you think was yeah. going to happen here? Yeah. Like, this is a, a very big risk that you're taking. Yeah. Like, like the grocery store gas station or the grocery store sushi, like if it's a California roll, you can usually get away with it. But if it's like an actual raw fish one, yeah you're playing with botulism right there you're, you're unless, unless you see them putting it out right there on the spot i wouldn't yeah. touch it basically <laughs> you should be yeah. if you go into a like a you know like sort of a like one of those uh ta like rest stops that you see sometimes on these have trucking facilities or place where you can shower and then if you ask them when did they get their tuna from Tsukiji market they love that they love to answer yeah. that question <laughs> let's do the voice oh, unless giddy did you have another candidate before we did the voicemail well i was just gonna say the i've had my dalliances with meat on and off over the years but i'm mostly off it now and i think what would ravage me the most is like that arby's like beef dip the, the, oh, yeah. the like holistically Ooh. wet sandwich that <laughs> they do i yeah. think would be a real you have the runs let's play that voicemail let's hear the voicemail from a reader hey guys this is matt in los angeles hypothetical question for you you go through the trouble of making yourself a delicious sandwich put it on the counter on a plate you turn your back for a second to grab a drink 
and you realize your dog jumped up on the counter and licked it all over, would you still eat the sandwich? <laughs> and does it matter if it's not your dog that did it? What if it was your friend's dog? <laughs> it happened to me with my sister's dog, and I still ate the sandwich. But realize I probably wouldn't if it was a strange dog. So curious as to your thoughts. <laughs> wow. He So if it was one degree removed for him, it was an okay dog. But if it was a stranger's dog, Giddy, would you eat the dog sandwich? I'm not a dog owner. I, my understanding was that this is how most white people season their food. Like that's the last carnage <laughs> before serving. Like you just have your dog lick food and then your mouth direct, like an amuse-bouche kind of thing. But um, the thing that bothers me most with having dogs around when I'm trying to eat is the ambient dog odor just kind of gets out there. And I feel like that would be more distracting mm -hmm. for me than the actual dog saliva, which I don't know. I could... I can easily turn a blind eye to that. Are you saying you could never eat with a dog in your presence? No, I have. And I, I, I love my sister's dog quite a bit. Shout out to Samosa. But the we love Samosa, folks. Uh, but Aww. We love Samosa. Mm, samosas. Especially with my friends who live in New York. It's it's really nice to be able to eat in a space that isn't the dog aroma space. But uh, if you live in a one bedroom, it's it's not as doable. I see that. I see that. Sam, or would you eat the dog sandwich? No, I would. I would just, it, regardless of whether it's stranger dog or familiar dog, I would just let the dog have a treat, assuming it's not going to die from eating the sandwich, and I would just make a second sandwich. Yeah, that dog. That dog did the effort. It earned the sandwich. It can take what if you it. didn't make the sandwich? What if it's like a really kick-ass sandwich that you paid for oh. and been looking forward to all week? That would be, yeah, that would be heartbreaking. But I still, I think, would relinquish a sandwich to the dog. I just get, I can't get over the saliva factor to me. Yeah, that's, to me, I think, I, we had that, there was like a test that was out where it was sort of like, mm -hmm. how easily grossed out are you by food? Or like what, you know, how persnickety an eater are you? <laughs> and I'm not, a terribly persnickety eater, longtime listeners to the podcast are familiar with this already. I have, I think I draw the line though at like, I don't want to eat a wet sandwich. Like I don't want to mm -hmm. eat, at the very least, you know, like I don't necessarily want to eat an Arby's uh, roast beef French dip either, but at least there as Giddy said, it's, you know, sort of canonically wet. Like that's the experience <laughs> you're signing up for is like, that your, you know, your sleeves are going to get fucked up. If you made a sandwich for yourself and you have like a vision in mind for that sandwich and then it is compromised by any kind of like mm. moisture factor, like I would be upset. I would pout. I don't know for sure yeah. that I wouldn't eat the sandwich. I think I wouldn't. I'd like to think I wouldn't, but I also, you know, know myself. Uh, but I think that 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 would probably be around where I would draw the line. Uh, I would eat the sandwich. Kirk could piss on my sandwich and I would eat it. I mean, that's just <laughs> The man loves sandwiches. Samer and Giddy, you were fantastic. And I should know again that the second season of Name Dropping comes out next week. And Roth and I are doing uh, our live distraction podcast in Brooklyn at Littlefield next week. So it's like a podcast bonanza all around. You guys will There's be- never been a better time to listen to podcasts. You know what? That's exactly right, Roth. It is it is it is the golden age of podcasting and it all is in one week and that's just really fantastic. Streaming hasn't ruined it yet. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Google is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you, fair listener, can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us as Sandwich Guy did at 909-726-3720 and leave a message. That's 909-Panera0. Do not order the lobster roll when you do that. We will see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.